Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. On today's podcast, author Garth Jones joins me to discuss our favorite TV books slash graphic novels for 2022. My name is Justin Hamilton, and I believe a thick hardcover is not just great to read, but also a perfect workout here on Big Squid. Thank you for taking the time to join me for this podcast. It is the last of our favourites from 2022. Uh, So if you've missed it, we've already covered movies with Alexi Toliopoulos, TV with Adam Richard, music with Imogen Clark, and today uh, taking a break from his usual Pass the Amel segment. It's the author of Homebrewed Vampire Bullets, Garth Jones, sharing his favourite books from 2022. Then at the end, we'll have a chat about the books you suggested, and it's a pretty eclectic collection of novels that's about to be discussed, so strap yourself in. It's great. It's so broad, and everyone brings a a different flavour to this episode. It is Thursday when this podcast is being dropped, and that means if you live in Adelaide, you only have three more chances to check out my new live show, Little Victories, at the Rhino Room. That's right, it is only three more shows, so that will be the 2nd, 3rd and 4th of March. Oh my god, 2nd, 3rd and 4th of March. Like, to be honest, it's such a cliche to say, wow, how did we get here? But, you know, sometimes cliches are true because it's like, how did we get here? This is, it's been a big year so far. So, you know what? Maybe you want to come along and have a laugh. It's an hour of 
haha, that's it. Just just jokes, like stacks of jokes, like heaps of jokes. I will put my show up against anyone else's for the amount of jokes I have in there. And my Big Squid listeners can access a discount code. All you have to do is head to justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs, click on the link and use the promo code podcast and you can save money on your ticket purchases. That is justinhamilton.com.au forward slash gigs and the promo code is podcast. Okay, time to bring in Garth so we can get our nerd on and talk books. As listeners of the podcast will be aware, I have been going through favourite movies, favourite TV shows, favourite albums of 2022. Not the best, just the favourites. And when I decided we were going to do the favourite books of 2022, I thought, well, why not talk to an actual author who knows what they're talking about? And so we have... Uh, the Pass the Amel co-host Garth Jones, the author of Homebrewed Vampire Bullets, Volume 1, and more importantly, Volume 2. As of last Monday, yes, or yes. whenever we're hearing this. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's exciting. It's, uh, it's, I feel like that's a, an author's dream to suddenly have, you know, a continuing story that you can come back to. I've got a little shelf now that's actually got uh, spines, the spinal um, mock-up. Yeah. <laughs> I've, actually, I've got a library of me. So yeah. That's not arrogant at all. No, no, it's great. No, that's all right. It's, it's, uh, it's, all the, it's all the markups anyway. It's all the red pen ones. Yeah. So you I can to... remember that. The process, yeah. Oh man, the process, uh, the 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 ongoing writing process, the draft after draft, and uh, I just got some notes back on something that I'm working on at the moment, and they were really helpful, and I was really grateful to them. And there was just one thing that the person picked out, and I was like, "God damn it! I thought I covered all of that." <laughs> no, no, that was all in my head. Uh, no matter how many how many drafts, you're always going to find something. Once yeah, yeah, That's so true. Yep. Uh, so, uh, for people who may not have read uh, Volume 1 of Homebrew Vampire Bullets, how would uh, you like to best sum it up for our new listeners? Uh, volume 1 introduces you to a bunch of uh, burnouts, uh, no-hopers in the sort of Adelaide, um, I guess the leftovers of the pub rock scene of the 1990s in this case. Uh, sort yes. Of- Played with the timelines a lot as I was uh, developing the project. It was the 70s. We moved into the 90s, so a few things can happen further on in the narrative. Yep. That will make a bit more sense. Uh, and they've uh, accidentally received a call to uh, headline a festival in Sydney called The Harvest. And for some narrative reasons yet unknown, they're going to do a road trip. Yeah. And they just set out and started sort of doing their fellowship with the ring, gathering the crew yeah. We're all completely <laughs> toasted and uh, off their faces 90% of the time. <laughs> yes. And this yeah. is uh, 100% genre. This is the uh, Ospolitation flavour. Is that would be the, the yeah, best this uh, leads, umbrella? This, this leads with a bunyip uh, fight. Yeah. Uh, you'll, no, you'll not <laughs> see a bunyip, bunyip after this. And most of the references to things that are sort of supernatural are pretty uh, offhanded. It's more of a, uh, I guess, a Donzo road. Road narrative, um, yeah. <clears throat> which is more social commentary and political satire and black comedy as it goes on, but it sort of hooks you in with this ridiculous Bunyip origin story. Yeah. And then takes you on a trip through a huge range of my uh, uh, cultural peccadilloes. Such as? 
uh, hanging shit on, um, you know, art gallery, art, the culture of like um, art in Australia. Yeah. Um, you know, things, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely a low culture sort of exploration of all those hang-ups around what Australian uh, media and popular culture doesn't really get into anymore, which is right. exploitation in a, in a you know, nutshell, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, there's a healthy taste of uh, hair metal in there as well. Some of the some of the greatest names of bands. Uh, that must have been the most fun, coming up with uh, band names, character names. It was also just having to copy and paste the umlaut uh, every time out of my Google Docs because <laughs> I still can't remember what the actual function key is. <laughs> so I hobbled myself there with a whole bunch of umlauts. Uh, a whole lot of fucked up spellings I had to then go back and, like, continually check that I hadn't messed up. Uh, very cleverly at one stage suggested an accent on Ed Von Satan's last name, which then became the bane of my copy-checking life. As I, You know, one of the notes that I'd written for myself was, does your work drafts ever get close to exploding with all the red lines that must be under 70% of the words in the sentence structures? Because it's got such a... a, a you know, the story's got such a rhythm to it and, and it's a definitive rhythm. Like once you clock it, yep. it's really easy to read and uh, you, you get right into that world. But I'm guessing <laughs> a document is like, what is happening here? Uh, I use um, a program called Scrivener and we won't get too nerdy on that, but it's not right. Word, And it uh, ignores everything and takes it for granted that you're writing in your dialect. Oh, um, right. Com- yeah, completely... Uh, yeah, saves you the humiliation of just the blocks of red lines. And that's something I've been really interested in as this project's come out is meeting, or, you know, um, usually online, but, you know, other authors who are writing in a patois or, you know, using that sort of, like, narrative style that rejects, like, literary um, convention. Yeah. And sort of leans into the language of, like, you know, wherever you're from. Yeah. You I'm... It's something that I've noticed with some of my writing as well is that sometimes you are trying to write from one person's perspective and you're trying to write in ways that might not necessarily be grammatically perfect, but that's how they talk. And the the constant suggestions of take this word out and do this and it's almost like... Uh, these documents want to homogenise the language to such an extent that everyone from 17th century to 31st century will talk in the same kind of rhythm. And two of the books I've chosen for later on uh, both really lean into that too. Uh, And an interview with one of the authors, uh, a Scottish guy called D.D. Williams, who's sort of a, I guess you'd think of him as like a, uh, in the lineage of Irvine Welsh, but he, yep. he, he writes deeply in the Scottish, you know, dialect and doesn't revert to standard English between people, characters, uh, dialogue. Yep. So, you know, there's, yeah, there's that just sort of like once you're in the rhythm and can feel the voice of the thing, um, I'll take all the red lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's encouraging. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, it tells you you're going in the right direction. The also uh, the the way the book's put together is visually exciting to read because there are, uh, you know, there's a different, uh, definite style and flavour to things. You know, uh, yeah, there's a typographic approach. You know, leaning into sort of band band logos. Uh, yeah, the a bit of like it's uh, I guess um, incidental artwork, whether it's like band posters, things like yeah. that, narrative up. 
very much uh, felt like I was given the license to do that by your recommendation of Ryan Hughes's XX. Oh yeah, and he, I mean he's a you know atmospherically good graphic designer, and that wasn't my intention to compete with that sort of stuff. But yeah, definitely that sort of let me off the leash a bit more when it came to actually presenting it as I envisioned it would need to be presented. Yeah. Versus very quickly get the impression that publishers will not let you do that. No. <laughs> You're not no. Sort of, yeah, self-directing it, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's like uh, you always need these artists to uh, give you permission to do things and uh, and and what you're doing is different to Ryan but I can see where reading XX would be like oh hang yeah, on a I sec. Mean, absolutely in the same wheelhouse you know I had QR codes as a cop you know uh, before I'd read it uh, but it absolutely sort of yeah let me go for yeah hit the um, accelerator basically I'm just embracing all that stuff yeah because uh, yeah it was yeah he done it in such a subtle way and I'm certainly not doing it in a subtle way <laughs> um, <laughs> that's great though hitting you over the head for sure but yeah, yeah. Uh, it, that's why it's also it was a manuscript that was it's about 400 pages long and really decided to sort of like just give the reader a little break by like breaking it up into the novellas yeah so yeah it can be a lot to uh yeah. delve into so yeah they're all about 120 page chunks 130 page chunks uh that sort of give people a chance to sort of marinate and then recover yeah. Pretty much like the guys in the book. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the QR codes are great as well because it means that it comes with its own music. And uh, how, how did you uh, get the music uh, created and designed for the books? Uh, well, the original concept was, uh, I won't name names, but I had a, uh, I think we discussed this a little bit, but, yeah, mm. a very old friend who may or may not be uh, an inspiration for one of the characters yeah, uh, was always going to work on it, and just during the first year of the pandemic, it became clear that he wasn't going to be able to do that for a range of reasons. Uh, so I, nothing, nothing that devastating, but yeah, just a uh, just creatively, it wasn't on the on the horizon. So yeah. uh, I realised my friend John Short, who had been playing around with um, sequencing, remixing things. Yep, he's got a massive sort of how 9000 style set up in his house now it's basically the house is just all his synth gear yeah and i just sent him for a little like 90 word briefs and he just turned around and come back with this stuff that's just jaw dropping yeah it's great <laughs> <laughs> you can just you can you know hand him uh N nintendo circa 1994 meeks um miami vice meeks chase headquarters <laughs> And he'll come back and it will be something entirely different, but just entirely on point. Yeah, that's great. No, I love it. And he's really um, in that sort of, um, yeah, that sort of mid-80s sort of Carpenter, uh, Iber Davies, Razorback soundtrack sort of vibe. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so uh, Volume 2's come out and it's fantastic, continues the story. And uh, just before we get into the specifics of Volume 2, uh, our lead character, Ed's our lead character, isn't it? Yeah. 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 And, 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 I would equate him to being Jeff Lebowski. Uh, yes. In the, <laughs> yeah. That would be the, uh, the shaggy dog. Uh, things happen to him. Yes. Uh, he sort of rolls his way through. Uh, that will become more apparent as it rolls into the third volume why that's the case. Right. And on to four and four to six as I slowly get those together. 
But yeah, yeah there's definitely a reason that he's the sort of like useless male uh, semi-protagonist, I guess. There's a touch of, uh, and I mean this as a compliment as well, Big Trouble in Little China. Where, <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's like there's he's, he's, he is useless, but he is um, compelling. <laughs> <laughs> completely self-absorbed, uh, yeah. completely off his face, and yeah. Yeah, sort of uh, just things happen and sort of uh, progress uh, for reasons that become apparent. Yeah. And uh, the, the band, how do you pronounce it? Because uh, is it Babylon? Babylon, which is a Babylon. Uh, so that's it's a reference to you know some of the occult beliefs of uh, people like Alistair Crowley. Um, yeah. They, I've got a book somewhere called Sex and Rockets, which is about L. Ron Hubbard and um, Jack Whiteside Parsons getting mixed. It was made into a uh, TV series a couple of years ago, um, exploring the connection of the um, rocket propul- rocket propulsion program in yeah. California yeah. and all the occult business that was wrapped up there uh so this is me just sort of taking some of that law and having fun with it more so you'll see but yeah again i won't spoil anything for the third one uh but yeah there's just a very strong name and it was the, the, whore, the whore of babylon that they were trying to raise bill ron hubbard and jack whiteside parsons yeah in the wand rituals in the 1940s which was essentially standing around all having a wank yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it feels like what a lot of black magic is. Uh, he's, he's an elaborate ruse for well, a great just, men to uh, have a flog. Yep, just have a flog. Yep. <laughs> um, early on, and that the, will tie in. Yes, <laughs> and that will tie in, of course. Uh, early on, uh, you know, we we meet lots of great characters with lots of great names, and uh, <laughs> but one name I, I'm really curious about is um, there's a lot of Grahams. There are a lot of Grahams. Where, where, where did uh, is 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 there a Graham in your life that uh, was the inspiration? Was the time. <laughs> right, and he he would have had the accent that uh, the Grahams have. Right, <laughs> right. He sat across me in a cubicle uh, for about eighteen months. Uh, ah, right. <laughs> so we uh, yeah we definitely delve into and also I mean the inspiration of those characters is really like every eighties Africana villain yeah. like Lethal Weapon style. Is this the Paraguay unit? Yes, the Paraguay yeah. unit. Yeah, like yeah. just that sort of like, just, you know, the yeah, the ponytails. The, yeah. The, it, the cold, the, yeah, the coldness, the, uh, I guess there's the, the level of sort of sadistic shit that they'll get down to. Yeah. But yeah, it's an action movie parody and sort of a way to drive things along. Yeah, great. And uh, the uh, Australian president seems like uh, the real deal. I uh, I enjoy any moments with him. Uh, what were you picturing when you oh, were... I, the first probably half a dozen drafts, that was David Boone. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't feel like Booney now, though. No, so what essentially it was uh, the, the four uh, initial presidents of the Republic were Hawkey, John Laws, Peter Brock, and then Booney. Yeah. Uh, Booney, the most recent one, but there was like a point where I was like, I don't feel as confident about Australian satire laws, right? As I might if it was being released in the states. Yeah, uh, and I really wanted to make sure that like that little bit up the front of it, the indicia where it says, uh, you know, similarity to people living or dead, <laughs> completely yeah. coincidental. So I went through and changed all the names, but sort of left a few little traits in. Yeah, but just a hundred percent. Chat myself at the <laughs> crucial point, thinking, "Yeah, I don't want to get a letter from Booney. Yeah, Lawsy, you know, no. 
That'd be kind of exciting getting a letter from Booney, but maybe the rest of them you don't want to hear from. Um, no. One of my favourite parts of the book, and I don't know what this says about me, maybe there's a, there's a slightly cruel, sadistic part of me deep down, the, the artist side of me, uh, but there's a lot of bad reviews for the artists. Yes, uh, yes. Like, <laughs> they're super cruel. And uh, what I was curious is, are you either saying that there's a greater message in uh, creating art and that's something to aim for, or are you just enjoying thinking of shit shows you've seen in the past and using that as inspiration to finally tee off? <laughs> Nothing so lofty as uh, yeah, yeah, creating <laughs> art's its own reward. <laughs> it's going to a show and uh, being an absolute prick about it afterwards. Yeah. Well, that's and true, only, isn't it? Only ever when it was like an act, a huge international act, like a, you know, or something that would inspire like a, a tear like that. Um, yeah. A few of those are sort of... Uh, I've sort of rewritten and sort of uh, moved the content into the world. Um, yeah. But yeah, a few were actual reviews. So I went back and looked at and thought, no, that's too good to be left yeah. in, in the Google Docs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this has got to live on. Yeah. Uh, there's, I don't know if this is coincidence, but uh, the last three movies I saw at the cinema, which were, one was a hot mess, but I really enjoyed it, which was Babylon. Uh, Tar, which I thought was actually brilliant, and Triangle of Sadness that I thought was really good but maybe had been overhyped a little bit for me. But all three movies, for me, were watchable. And in all three movies, I watched at different points people leaving. And one of the things I noticed was uh, it it seemed to be the men leading and the women, like especially Babylon – uh, where I was sitting was just above the uh, entrance slash exit. And uh, of of the seven couples that I watched leave, four of them, the the woman stopped on the top step and watched for a little bit longer before she left. And I'm, I, yeah. I don't know what to make of it, but I'm curious about it. Yeah, what's that saying? Yeah. What are these? <laughs> what was the, I mean, to, I mean, yeah, as I told you before, I saw Maurice the Magnificent or whatever it was this morning with uh, Hugh Laurie, so my cinema going has been a little bit limited at the moment. Right. Um, but I, I kind of figure, like, this is just me, but if you've paid for a ticket, why not just see it through yeah. till the end? And, and, and you know, unless, unless you sit down and then suddenly you realise you're in a movie that's extolling the virtues of a hate crime or something like yeah. that. Like, I'd rather see it till the end. But also, on a purely shallow level, why not just enjoy watching Margot Robbie or yep. just yep. wonder what's going to happen at the end of Tar or just, you know, the, the madness of Triangle yep. of Sadness? Like, just see where it's going to go. Just walk-ins or like not, you know, it was just what was on? I just don't know. Like, I just, I don't know if, I don't know if it's a coincidence. Like, maybe it's just three films that I saw. I don't know if people are so used to watching things at home now that they just check out really quickly. And so now they, they don't have the mental fortitude to focus and yeah. give something a go. I I don't know. It's it's really interesting. But, like, uh, chop the book into three parts. Mate, it's a <laughs> smart move. Anyone. I don't trust anyone anymore. Yeah, no, no, no. Good. Uh, it's like it's a good plan um without giving away the ending to this one where can we expect volume three to take us well we've got uh at the moment there's a brief i've sent to john that is a um it's a bernard herman movie from 1971 uh 
that's got I think it was it's a French film that he did the soundtrack for. Yeah, and that is the opening uh, inspiration for the uh, what will become an Agatha Christie style chamber murder mystery with, to kick off the next one with Ed and Babylon. Uh, it's more it's more of a I've been reading The Dark Tower and no. I realised that those digressions. Yeah. I've just done one of those. Yeah. Mate. <laughs> never having read it, but it's definitely, it's definitely uh, a bit sharper than uh, old Steve goes. Mate. Uh, it's not a 600-page one. It's more of a sort of like 5,000 words interspersed. In but, yeah, we'll kick off with like a chamber murder mystery that's set at the yeah. sort of um, beginning of the timeline. Uh, you'll learn a lot more about the politician, Tank Crusader Excalibur. Yeah. Um, who you'd probably guess at the inspiration for him. Uh, based on what you've seen so far, yeah, uh, lots of regional politicians that I certainly uh, grew up around, and yeah, had had to write um, favourable news stories about more recently. <laughs> uh, and then we're going to go completely cosmic. There's going to be a giant um, sort of Lovecraftian shift into the whole thing. Uh, Great, so I'll go loose there, yeah, loosely that. <laughs> Great. How many volumes do you have planned, or are you just going to see where it goes? We're going to take a pause after the third one. Yeah. Um, and I'm probably, yeah, we'll spend the re- remainder of the year sort of getting it together to uh, flesh out yeah. what I've got sitting, yeah, in the to-be-written drive. <laughs> ah, it's great, isn't it? It's great to have your uh, own set of uh, stories that you can tell in your own universe. Uh, what, what, what's, what are you thinking it's called? Is it the homebrewed verse? Is it the vampire bullets verse? Is it the go fuck yourself verse? Like, what, what, what is it? What do you, what umbrella does it come under? <laughs> Uh, yeah, look, it's probably is to go fuck yourself first. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> read between the lines first. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's great. Please don't right. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know what I mean. Yeah. No, I do know what you mean. <laughs> um, where can uh, people get volume one and two? Uh, they're on my website at castyamel.com forward slash shop. Uh, you'll be able to get the print-on-demand version, which uh, is getting to people in about three or four days. Or yep. there's the digital one, which uh, you can just use on your reader of choice. Yeah, great. Uh, there's, there's a couple of limited editions uh, that I've almost run out of volume one, and I'm just waiting on a shipment of volume two. And uh, if people jump in and just email me or tweet at me or whatever, and I can put one aside and uh, flip that off when, it, when they get here. Man, that volume one cover is a uh, limited yeah, unfortunately, Simon hasn't been able to come back for this one, but uh, we'll get him back for the third one or yeah. when I get really mercenary and collect them all again. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> the in, paper, all paperback. In, in that big volume. Yeah. Uh, so uh, for long-time listeners of the podcast, the Pass the Amel uh, podcast that, or episodes that we do on this are coming back very soon. Uh, we already have the first one recorded and it's... Uh, <laughs> It's a funny one. Everyone, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, we're going to go through the top five books that we read of, or, well, our favourite five books, I should say, uh, and graphic novels of 2022. Uh, you are the guest, Garth. I'm, I'm going to go from five to number one. And yep. uh, since you're the guest, uh, we'll, uh, you can go first. And then after that, I'll read out some of the... Um, books that uh, our listeners sent through a suggestion. So uh, what was your number five? Okay, well, I have gone in chronological order from the first one I read. Yep. The most recent. Uh, and this one actually came out in 2021. But yep. 
that sort of was a, I guess, a good starting point for the what was to follow. Uh, so the, uh, it's Kirsty Allison, who's an uh, English author. Um, she's a, I'll read you the synopsis. I've just got the synopsis for each of these. And it's a book called Psychomachia. Yep. And the, the blurb goes, literature like this is usually presented through the male gaze, hence the fashion and rock and roll literary naming Kirsty Allison London's finest. She's hilarious. She's fucked up. Scarlet Flag is so wasted, she doesn't know if she killed the arch patriarch of rock and roll, Malachi Wright, of Bright State's international touring after he raped her at a festival at 14. Scarlet is the kind of girl you want to help, fuck, and leave. But is she dangerous? Did she murder Malachi or was it her boyfriend, E. Paper Shoes, frontman of Hirosh- Hiroshima? <laughs> <laughs> so dark as hell, uh, an extreme, like, but. We were talking about language, and Kirsty's like a creature of the '90s club scene in the UK. Yep. And this is like a just, yeah, it's like a, it's brutal but really funny, slap around the head for 300 pages. Uh, yeah. Just authenticity through and through, and she's been kind enough to blurb Homebrewed. And yeah. She's been supportive of it uh, in that magazine she publishes, Ambit, in the UK. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, so this isn't one for one. This is literally like I just think it's such a bloody good book. And yeah. it's only available in hardback. So yeah. you, you can't find a uh, – there's no digital versions or anything out there. You have to order it from the publishing company's website. Right. Really got many reviews on Amazon, but it's just – yeah, it's inky black, uh, authentic as fuck, um, UK version of, you know, the lifestyle we all had at one stage. <laughs> right, yeah. Where, um, where did you discover her? Um, I think it was on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I, think I followed the I, – I noticed the post of the cover art going around. It's like a hot pink um, sort of portrait of a, a woman by an artist called Sienna Barnes. Um, really stark, really graphic. In the, funnily enough, in the Babylon um, six-pointed star. Yeah. So there's those sort of references in there as well. And, um, yeah, just – Followed up and finally managed to get a copy in the middle of 2021. Yep. Right when postage was as expensive as it will ever be. Oh, yeah. Shipping it from the UK. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, you know, had, had a few back and forth with the uh, publisher and sort of, you know, got to know those guys as well. And I just, yeah, I really, yeah, just uh, that was the, that's the kickoff for the list anyway. Yeah, that's great. That's a great suggestion. Um, I'm I'm cheating mildly on uh, one of these just, books. It's Wrecking Ball Press. If anyone's interested, uh, you can look them up and you can grab the book from them. Oh, okay. So Wrecking Ball Press. Yeah, great. Yeah, it's um, it's funny, I, I did quite a bit of reading last year and uh, unfortunately, you know, th- this is a problem with uh, books and music is like TV and movies, you, you're watching a lot of current stuff, but books and uh, music, it's all over the place. So it's it's a mild cheat on the, on the fifth book. So I've, it's probably fifth because it's a mild cheat, but it's uh, American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin uh, tells the true life story of Oppenheimer, his life in the lead up to helping develop develop, uh, the nuclear bomb, the atomic bomb, and uh, what happens to him afterwards. Uh, Quite clearly, the Christopher Nolan movie Oppenheimer's coming out, and he mentioned that it had been inspired by this book, and I'd kind of kept an eye out for it, but it's... at the time, it was, I don't know where it is now, but it was out of print. It was hard to find. So I uh, managed to get uh, a hand on it. And when it, when it turned up, it was a brick with tiny 
print and I was like, oh, Jesus, this is going to be a bit of a slog. But it was, in fact, the opposite. It's actually a, a, a thrilling read. And funnily enough, the way the story is told, I can see where the appeal lies in how you could turn this into a movie. Because at, at first it's like, well, why, why would you film this in IMAX? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, why would you film a story about this in such a way that yeah, it would be on the big screen? Yeah, yeah, but it's um, it's a hell of a read, and it's it's fascinating where he was quite clearly a brilliant man, but slightly naive because his his theory was they were developing the bomb because they were scared that Nazi Germany were going to get them. First, yeah, yeah. Yep. and then but his theory was once Germany wasn't going to get it and they were going to have the technology that they should share it with Russia and share it with everyone. So that way you would avoid an arms race. And as you can well imagine, (laughs) the the American military were not keen on that as an idea. So it's a, uh, it's, it's a stressful read, but it's kind of thrilling and uh, brilliant all at once. So that's my number five. Uh, what's your number four? Number four was the first thing I, and this one also was affected by the fact that it was going to cost like a hundred bucks to send a paperback from the States. So I ended up uh, requesting a PDF from the publisher. Yep. Because um, again, someone who I've met on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, and this is Dubay Knox's uh, novel, The Pussy Detective. Yep. Great. Uh, which is, like we're talking about, this is in the dialect, like, um, Dubey writes as he speaks. Um, if anyone might have seen the launch we did uh, on Halloween, uh, he's a bad motherfucker. Yeah, so he's done it all. You know, he's uh, you know gigs with Bill Hicks. Uh, you know, was started a few rap magazines in the nineties. Just yeah. a crazy biography, and now he's turned his hand to like writing, uh, yeah, pulp fiction. Um, yeah, things in his vernacular that speak to his life. I mean, he's like, you know, I won't tell you his age, but um, he's, he's been around. Yeah. And the, the synopsis for this one is an occult erotic mystery about Reverend Daddy Hoodoo helping his women find their lost or missing pussies with the help of an extraordinary Madame X, featuring heartless gangsters, voodoo sex magic, and a young woman in distress by the name of Abyssinia who is in desperate need of the service of Daddy Hoodoo. This tale leads from between the sheets to the streets to the boardroom suites and beyond. And it's, well, this is a 200-page novel that I read in a night. Yeah. It's hilarious. It's uh, got good gender politics. Yeah. You may be surprised to hear. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, it's framed as a, uh, yeah, it's a black exploitation sort of inspired occult um, mystery, I guess. Yeah. Uh, really, uh, it's just a... Yeah, beautiful summary of like Dubé's work as a as he continues to like pump these really incredible books out. Yeah, just a funny dude, and yeah, again the rhythm of the language just like transports you through this. Like you know, it is essentially a script format, um, right? Which is done. It's almost yeah, a lot of phonetically yeah uh, written passages. Yeah, but yeah, the turns of phrase and the use of language is just incredible. Yeah, great. Uh, uh, Yep. People kind of forget that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. No, uh, vulgar language, and I, I don't mean vulgar as in dismissive, but uh, I, it, I'm kind of describing the way the words are put together and and the way a sentence is constructed isn't like you have to, you have to read it, you, you yeah. know, you have to read it and, and really get into where it's going because if you just kind of react to every third word, you're missing what it's actually saying. Absolutely. And yeah, uh, if, if once, once you're in, you're in like, it's a, yeah, it's a top notch piece of like uh, pulp fiction. And again, it's sort of, you know, the, the low culture sort of ideas around, you know, you're giving people what they want, but also a little bit of what they need. Um, yeah. And you're sort of living on the, I guess, on the fringes. You know, it's, it's not literary in the sense of, like, you're going to get a tick and invite to uh, all the festivals. Yeah. But it's genuinely uh, thrilling and, <clears throat> yeah, just, just genuinely, you know, it's just a really beautiful piece of work. Yeah, uh, that sounds great. Um, I want to see a film adaptation. I don't know how you do it, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as soon as you find out, let me know. Yeah. Um, number four for me is, uh, once again, a mild cheat, but it's two graphic novels that came out last year. It's Reckless, The Ghost in You, and Reckless, Follow Me Down by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. Uh, these are a series of graphic novels that have been uh, not... Uh, you know, usually comics come out as single issues and then get collected as graphic novels. Uh, Brew Baker and Phillips did Criminal, like they've done all these noir comics for years now, uh, and then they just stopped doing the monthlies and then just started every three to four months releasing a brand new graphic novel. Yeah, right. yeah. And uh, Reckless is uh, it's it's about a guy called Ethan Reckless. Uh, he is one of those people that you call when you're in trouble and uh, he does things for you and sometimes those things get him into some trouble. He He's in on the seedier side of life. He's probably had not the best of backgrounds. He uh, Classic kind of um, uh, paperback pulp hero type of character. It's set in uh, the 80s of Los Angeles. So, you know, think of all the sex, drugs and murder and all that kind of stuff. It, when you read it, it, it looks sweaty. Uh, And the characters are great. And and a lot of the stories are uh, are told from sort of at some point in Reckless's future. So you you have a vague idea of where some of the characters might be going. Uh, uh, Brubaker was a big fan of... um, What's the uh, TV show? Oh, The Rockford Files. You know, he's kind of into that kind of stuff. Uh, It feels a little bit like... um, uh, the movie Point Break, uh, uh, you know, the uh, the Long Goodbye, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, they're great. I can't wait for them to come out. And it, it sounds like 
I don't think if it's been uh, d- uh, definitively stated, but it looks like there's going to be a TV series based on the criminal uh, right. comics. And uh, yeah, I look, people have heard me bang on about my disillusionment with comics in general, but this is uh, proof that the artwork and uh, the, the, the art form are still fantastic and viable. You just yeah, have to avoid the mainstream yeah. stuff. Yeah, like releasing them as like actual chunks instead of yeah, yeah. From, uh, month to month certainly sounds more appealing than oh. uh, <laughs> having to go to fucking comic shop. Every yeah, week. yeah, yeah. You get a full story, and uh, the, uh, Sean's artwork's beautiful, and um, his son does the color as well. Right, and uh, it's uh, they're just great, and they look fantastic on uh, the bookshelf. So uh, the Reckless series in general, I would. Uh, suggest to everyone to check them out. But last year, The Ghost in You and Follow Me Down are uh, two fantastic reads. Uh, okay, what's your number three? So I've been trying to find like a unifying theory of like what these, <coughs> yeah, I read these books in this order, but also yep. they sort of map a little bit of like what last year was like. <laughs> right. So the last thing I read before uh, the Queensland floods. <laughs> Was right. Mark Lanigan's Devil in a Coma. Yep. Uh, the last thing I read on the news before the, we went out the night before the floods was that he died. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, so this book sort of like is a little, yeah, it's a reflection on his getting COVID. Yeah. He'd moved to Ireland. Um, he got it really badly. Yeah. And he was basically going, coming in and out of co- uh, a coma. Uh, he was writing this book in this sort of hallucinatory sort of uh, poetry, lyrics, all, the, all, all these other um, um, narrative approaches. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he has this basically uh, spirit quest, I guess, where he reflects on the fact he's, like, survived all this other shit. You know, his book, um, from his memoir from the previous year went into, like, you know, basically how he dodged so many bullets that Lane Staley... Kurt Cobain and all the rest didn't. Yeah. Uh, and his guilt at the age of 58 over having made it. Right. <laughs> to that point. And then, yeah, just that horrible moment of, you know, the book ends and it's it's genuinely uplifting, but it was also like, and then the day later we find out that he's passed away. Wow. From complications. Yeah. And then there's a flood. Uh, it's, not a, <laughs> it's not a downer though. It's like a, you know, it's a, it's definitely a mood piece and it takes you on a journey. It's a shorter book as well. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, yeah, just in terms of, like, a testament to his talent so, and, like, the, the range of music that he's yeah. given us. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the solo albums alone, like, just an incredible back catalogue there. Uh, yeah. Kind of like um, did, did he know that he was dying or did he suspect or...? Uh, <laughs> From memory, I think it was complications. Um, there was just a, yeah, he had long COVID um, and there was, I think there was something tangential to that that, like, got him. Right. I don't think it was, like, yeah, he knew. Yeah. He'd moved to Ireland to get better, I think, after the, you know, turbulence of the last few years. Yeah. So got, you know, the book is a bit of a meditation on, like, the public health system in the UK. And, yeah. You know, thanks, you know, basically probably would have been dead. You know, during back out with COVID, right? If he'd if he'd not gone there, but yeah, um, yeah, I just think that one sort of sits in the middle of this list, and it was sort of like where the year pivoted <laughs> into like what the hell's going on now? Yeah, 
Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, as a little piece of memoir and old uh, poetry, yeah, I really endorse it, recommend it. Yeah, great. All right. Yeah. Um, So uh, my number three is another book that's uh, looking backwards, but uh, a little bit further. It's Chuck Klosterman's The 90s, A Book. And... uh, yeah, it's this, on my yeah, it's on my extended list. <laughs> all right. Well, be, I, because I'm actually working on something that's set in the '90s, and uh, I'd already was working on this piece, and then I thought I should um, I should give this a read. Like yeah. I, I was keen to read it, but I thought I should read this now because yeah. even though that that's from an American point of view and mine's from an Australian, uh, you know there's the flavor of it you know you just pick up on uh, little things Closeman is just a really good writer you know and even if you disagree with him he's at least he's compelling in his convictions about why he's drawing things together and uh, he's also about kiss yes yeah yeah well you know it's um you can't put it in a list of like you know I know retentively sort of like detailed insights yeah. No, it's great. He could, he could, he can somehow draw uh, a, a line through, you know, hair metal to Alan Greenspan, uh, mm. and then relate it back to college football. And you, and you sit there and you read it all, and you go, "Yep, that makes that sense. all makes sense." Yep. But yeah, I, that, that's definitely just outside the top five. Yeah, uh, I really, yeah, enjoyed it, and he sort of lost me with his um, his novels. Like his his fiction sort of lost me a little bit uh, over the last decade, but yeah, the, the pop the pop cultural criticism stuff he does is just yeah yeah unfathomably good. Yeah, yeah, he really has a has a handle on what he's talking about, uh, why he's talking about it, and uh, if you live through the nineties, I think it's uh, a really good look back at uh, you know everything from you know, Seinfeld and, uh, you know, Tarantino coming through. But also uh, something that I'd completely forgotten about was the phenomenon that was Garth Brooks and when he just <laughs> decided. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was I one of those. I hated Garth Brooks for obvious reasons at high school. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, it was like, yeah, that was the, uh, that was the go-to. Yeah, yeah the, Chris, the Chris Gaines stuff where he decided he was like a Trent Reznor style Mate. rocker. Mate, it's fascinating. So it's, got, it's, the, got the little corset on. Yeah, it's great. I, I, I thoroughly <laughs> recommend it as a read. If you were there or you weren't there, you'll really I mean, enjoy it. Get, getting that sense of what it was like not to be constantly like plugged into something. Yes. You know, there's that, yeah, because there's that great sort of discussion of like that transition in the early 90s after Mirakami's book. Yeah. About the end of history, where it was like, and here's with, with Clinton and all the rest, here's where things started to shift. Yeah. Into, yeah, where we're at now. Yeah. Very bizarre way. Yeah, no, it's great. All right, what's your Alan number two? Alan Moore, Illuminations. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Are you, is he on there? For you? Well, I. I technically uh, didn't – I only just started it at the end of last year and so I technically didn't finish it until this year. So so it'll be – it'll be in uh, – it will definitively be in uh, the 2023 uh, f- favourite books. And uh, Yeah, I was just going – yeah, just this afternoon when I had the moment, just going back and having, you know, a quick, you know, uh, remind, remind myself about – yeah, what stories were obviously, and just the, the breadth of what 
that motherfucker can do. Yeah. Uh, just mind blow. Mind yeah. Blow. Yeah. I enjoyed every short story in there. Uh, and uh, I think maybe my favorite was the, the, the story about uh, what is it? It's the, the galaxy that's forming. At yeah, the start a, of the universe. I've got a note for it somewhere. It's a Boltzmann brain. Yes. And then basically it's the entire history of like its species devolving into a complete cesspit of like murder and Yeah. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. This highly evolved yeah, creature that just basically does yeah, has all the foibles of humans. Yeah. It has a, yeah, it's got a it's got a sort of a concubine consciousness, doesn't it? Yeah. It's really bad. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's really funny, and yeah, uh, you know, like the uh, you know, vaping Jesus, the, the apocalypse, like just all such great fun. The the vaping Jesus uh, catching up with the real estate agent yes. is uh, is a great short, and, and just the and beautiful it, depiction of the apocalypse as it's happening, like, and they're sort of like protected on this estate and yeah. sort of observing the end of everything. Yeah, and uh, the, the indifference to it as well. That's uh, part of what I enjoy. And uh, anyone who's a Patreon subscriber will have heard Garth and I talk about the big novella in it, uh, whatever we can know about Thunderman, which is his uh, absolute takedown of the comic book industry. Uh, I so I don't know about you, but I, uh, I I've done a little. You know, not much, but a little search to see what other comic book creators are saying about it. It seems, I don't know about you, but it seems sparse. Right. Yeah, I I, I feel like no one's commenting on it because they're probably all too smart to know that if they comment on it, they're giving him more sales. Absolutely. No doubt. Yeah. I mean, I think, (laughs) which would upset him too, wouldn't it? (laughs) Yes. Not more sales as well, for Christ's sake. Yeah, but um, it's the, uh, the the only thing that um, I found that was, if I can find it uh, quickly, was from Grant Morrison, who was smart <laughs> enough not to not to really comment on it. Uh, but anyway, he, he, he writes in his, uh, his sub-stack, um, it's official, Jerry Siegel, Joe Schuster, Bill Finger, Jack Kirby, Carl Burgos, etc. are the true instigators of insurrection in America, cunningly embedding fascist and racist ideals into the four-colour DNA of their so-called heroes when they created Superman, Batman, the Human Torch, and all the rest, whose names shall live in infamy. Their characters helped out a Trump... Ye dream ticket on the throne of a weepy nation. I only pray this means we can at last rejoice in the theft of all those copyright billions this fash cohort was swindled out of. Serves that gang of died in the wool ratsies right. And I read that and I went, he read that and uh, and they are taking it personally and not agreeing as they normally don't. No, certainly <laughs> they are not. <laughs> But um, I have to yeah, be honest, I mean, it, it broke CIA, me. The CIA, you know, that was the NK Ultra sort of thing. It was actually another book that almost made the list in a similar sort of vein. The Oppenheimer one was a, uh, a book about the CIA's um, uh, basically like uh, hallucinogenics program in the yeah. 50s and 60s. Yeah. And also 
basically how they turned a blind eye and brought the Nazis over. Yeah. To continue the human experiments on people. Um, yeah. But yeah, all that stuff, you know, directly ties into Thunder Man as well. You know, that's the, you know, the CIA coming in and like doing the PSYOP on yeah. the country. And, uh, I, look, I'll, I'll be honest, the uh, Alan Moore in the 80s was through the work of Swamp Thing before we even get to something like Watchmen was my gateway to uh, higher literature in yeah. the works of comic books. You know, uh, Miracle Man was also a, a huge uh, influence on me as a young kid, the Eclipse reprints. And... Um, I think Alan Moore has slammed the door on it as well for me. Yeah, well, you know. He brought me in. He took me out. Anyway. And I'm just going to keep posting that photo of him in the Hammer and Sickle t-shirt. And I'm going to get made, get one made eventually. So yeah. I have my pod, podcasting outfit from now on. Yeah, great. You should definitely do that. Um, my number two was Blood in the Garden by Chris Herring. I had Chris Herring as a guest on the podcast. Uh, this is a book about the New York Knicks in the 90s. So I, I had double 90s flavour there for a while. And uh, for whether you were a fan of the NBA or not, it's a, it's a cracking read about uh, a team that is one of the biggest teams in the NBA. Uh they have only won two championships, which were back in 71 and 73. They have been pretty mediocre for decades. And this was one era where they got really close. They were so close to be finally becoming champions again. And it's uh, it's a cast of characters. Once again, if you're not into NBA, it doesn't really matter. All of the, the people involved in it are fascinating and the way Chris Herring writes about it, there's a lot of affection, but he's also not afraid to shine a light on some of these people in ways that makes you go, well, they were a crazy arsehole, weren't they? So uh, even though it's about the NBA and people might not be uh, that uh, interested in basketball per se, the book is a fantastic read and uh, came in hard at my number two. Yeah, nice. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, any any story along those lines, once you're invested in the characters, like, I don't yeah. know, you know, what the what the framework is that's hung on. Yeah, it could what's be tiddlywinks, you yeah. know. If you, if you you know, got compelling characters, I'll I'll find myself becoming a fan of tiddlywinks, so. Uh, like think of, uh, the King of Kong with the uh, Donkey Kong. Uh, oh, yeah, movie. the doco. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One of the great docos. Yeah. What an asshole, Billy Mitchell, 20 years later. Totally Mate. a Trump guy. Mate, just the best. Uh, the King of Kong, if anyone hasn't seen that, don't don't read anything about it. Just find it, yeah, watch it, and, yeah. and on behalf of Garth and I, you're welcome. I mean, so, one of those, I mean, the early 2000s just had like that, yeah, like those little slice, slice of life character yeah. documentaries where it was like just hit after hit on that front. Yeah. yeah. American movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, so good. All uh, right. So What's your number one? This isn't the last thing I read last year, but it's pretty close to it. The last thing I read last year was Nothing But A Good Time, um, which was the story of the Sunset Strip and the 80 ton rock rip, uh, explosion. Yep. But prior to that, just before Christmas, um, I'd been listening to a podcast uh, about uh, working class literature uh, and this guy, Scottish guy, D.D. Johnston, uh, was being interviewed. He started his career, um, or his first novel was published around the sort of uh, Occupy movement. 
Uh, and yeah, he's a socialist. He's got good left-wing politics. So I was like, got to check it out. Yeah. And this one is called, uh, it's called Disneyland. And it's set basically in a rundown Scottish village uh, after all the lights go out. Like, there's, uh, we don't know what's happened. Yeah. Uh, we just know, know there's an emergency broadcast where the government's essentially saying, stay, stay in place, fill your bathtub up, yeah. we'll come and rescue you later. They don't. And then it's the story is essentially like, are we going to give in to our worst, lesser impulses, or is this community going to figure it out? Yeah. And basically redeem themselves because no one else is going to help. Because, you know, the UK government's underneath London in the arc, yeah. uh, waiting it out, and everyone's basically, yeah. So <laughs> don't always just read depressing shit. This is actually really uplifting and upbeat. Um, it's, yeah, it's got really good politics and it really sort of gives you a, a little bit of hope for like uh, all the stuff we're going through now. Yeah. Uh, and potentially going through. Um, but yeah, community, like we discovered with the floods, I guess that's the button on this, uh, you know, really discovered that like people do pull together and give a shit. Um, and that's essentially the theme of this book. Yeah, great, great. Yeah. And it's a good, yeah, again, it's a quick, relatively quick read, but just a, yeah, a really nice little sort of button on the year, uh, like a bit of uplifting year. Feel, feels like the the way you needed to finish off 2022, <laughs> well, right? Considering how it started, yeah. 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 Uh, well, coming in at number one for me is an author that you already mentioned. It's Ryan Hughes and it was The Black Locomotive, yep. uh, which was the follow-up to XX, which came out pretty quickly, didn't it? Uh, I thought, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I ordered my copy and it, it took me nearly 12 months to get it. Oh, um, really? Right. And then it got lost in the move. So. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> God damn it. That's why I yep. never want to move. It's, you never no, know which bit of gold you're going to lose. No. Uh, the Black Mo- Locomotive is set in a world underneath uh, the London that is well known to us. Uh, through the vision of architecture, design, ad technology, this story merges the past and present in a unique story that begins with the discovery of a strange anomaly. It is found underneath a secret crossrail extension being built underneath Buckingham Palace. The more it's investigated, the more it becomes clear that before London came to be, there was something else here. And what does that mean for the future? Uh, you know, he's just a really good writer. Uh, aesthetically, it looks beautiful. You know, and also once again, kind of better to go in not knowing much about this. But uh, I, I devoured it, and uh, uh, you know, would I, I would like to get him back on? He, he was so generous the first time he was on that the was podcast. A, yeah, I mean, yeah, that was a huge conversation. Yeah, he was, and he was so great. So yeah. I'm, um, I'm keen to get him back for that. But I'm also keen to find out what he's going to do next. He's he's made me a big fan of his stuff, and and, they, once, yeah. and also they look beautiful on the on the shelves because of uh, his uh, design quality. Well, I ended up getting a uh, ebook of that when I came to do the second episode of Past the Animal uh, in Sydney with you. Yeah, <laughs> like I yeah actually started it that night. Yeah, <laughs> or, yeah. Yeah, uh, and yeah, not recommending the ebook because a little bit gets lost in translation with some of yeah. the graphic here. But yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I tore through that XX right, yeah, in no time. It's definitely one that you want to be holding the weight of it yeah, you know, in your hands. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I put the word out to our listeners uh, before the end of last year to send through their favourite books. So I've got some ones uh, to share with you. So. Um, <laughs> so Terry writes uh, 
I hate to be a Debbie Downer, but I can't seem to have more than a two-minute conversation with anyone in the past few months without mentioning Aha Barber's book, Consumed, on colonialism, climate change, consumerism, and the need for collective change. While I'd love to be voting for something lighter, and I've read 61 books this year, according to my book app, so there was a lot of competition. Good work, Terry. Like that's Fuck, I felt like I'd done well, and she's left me in the dust. Yeah, good read. It says about 22, 23, I think. Oh, my Lord. So impressive. Um, Terry says, I just found this book way too important not to mention here. I've never read any other book that demanded so much examination of my own behaviour. Judging that my book club is still talking about it months later suggests that it's not just me either. So that's a scorching way to start off. Uh, Rachel Blair, uh, one of the great listeners of the podcast, she has written, My Heart is a Little Wild Thing by Nigel Featherstone. Oh, yeah. yeah. Her favourite 22 fiction. Uh, It's a vivid, gentle, comforting and solid reminder that as we reach the ages where we are, supposed to have it all worked out it's okay if we don't or if it all changes as we change it's uh that's fine as well it's a beautiful piece of work uh, uh, thanks for the reviews on uh, goodreads too rachel oh yes <laughs> thank you she's, very much she's a good that. egg yeah yep. <laughs> uh pip wrote uh spending my daylight hours reading tales to under 12s i try to read grown-up books after the school bell i also have miss 15 and miss 13, both voracious readers. So try to have at least one book we can all read as our own little book club. 2022 saw us thoroughly enjoy It Sounded Better in My Head by Nina Kenwood. Equal parts, funny and moving. All three of us enjoyed the humour used, the reference to Australia and the wonderful, relatable characters, uh, Force Buds, which is a little reference to Couch Potato. So that sounds like a fun read. Uh, VJ Owens writes... A bit of a cheat as I was reading this for a fair whack of last year and finished it in Feb or March. That's all right. The rules here are pretty loose. Uh, But uh, Vijay says, XX, a novel graphic by Ryan Hughes, was the best book I've read in years. Almost a year later, I think I'm ready to attempt The Black Locomotive, or hopefully this podcast has given you the... Yeah, Yeah, get on with it, mate. Come on. (laughs) Uh, Aaron Donaldson has written, I'm currently reading the biography of John Rimmel, Polar Pioneer, the biography of one of Australia's leading explorers in the 1930s from Panola in South Australia, gripping reading, an amazing account of determination, leadership and man management while studying the unknown expanse of Antarctica. Written by his son Peter, it gives a well-detailed and studied account of John's exploits. Gareth from the Dollop wouldn't like the amount of seals mentioned and what they used them for, though. <laughs> Podcast crossover. Yep. Aaron's bringing his own jokes. That's yeah, great. <laughs> I'll have to tell Gareth. You don't that remember I remember what the seals were used for, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's a nice boy. I won't bring it up with him. Um, Claire writes, I couldn't not have a copy of Chivalry by Neil Gaiman, illustrated by Colleen uh, Duran. Chivalry has a soft spot with me as it was the first short story in The Smoke and Mirrors, which was my first Neil Gaiman collection of stories. I love this illustrated version with as much affection. That's a great thing about books. Like, uh, they're just there. And you're always excited when, like, if someone hasn't read something, you just think, oh, well. There you go. Yeah, you'll get to it in your own time. And when you do, it'll be great. And uh, finally, Matthew Thurban, uh, 
this is not a surprise knowing Matt. Uh, Faith, Hope and Carnage by Nick Cave and Sean O'Hagan. A right. deeply moving series of conversations, conversations about Nick's faith, the creative process in healing after the death of his son, Arthur. It feels like a companion piece to Nina Simone's Gum by Warren Ellis, which I also read this year, released late 2021. Both books reinforce the healing power of music. I know there's no category for favourite gig of 2022, but Nick Cave and Warren Ellis at the Sydney Opera House was a revelation. So some great suggestions there. Good. How good are my listeners? <laughs> hear about people who can read. Yeah, but they're fantastic. But they're also uh, across movies, across TV shows, across music. Like they've they've been really articulate about expressing yeah. why they've enjoyed something. So through the Patreon mainly. The, uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I'm I'm pretty thrilled. Well, one for, guys. Yeah. yeah, to to have them as listeners and also uh, have them uh, contributing their ideas. So I think this will become a regular thing. Uh, to start off every year so uh, Garth thank you for joining and uh, sharing your books as well Uh, can you let everyone know uh, just a little reminder where they can find you on social media Uh, at Parsiamal on Twitter and Instagram and Parsiamal.com on the website yes is where you can grab books as well yeah and uh, I've have enjoyed both volumes so far and I reckon uh, now that the volume two is out, if you've missed out on volume one, it's a really good time to get into it because you can get, you can roll straight into volume two and, and keep the right. flow going. We can package them up if you want to grab both at once or yeah, it's all uh, within our means to uh, get it out there. Yeah, it's great. And uh, you'll be back uh, pretty soon actually with our first Pass the Amel episode for... tease it or... Do you, go. <laughs> Go, give him a tease. Tell him what it is. Uh, Sons of Steel, 1988. Uh, absolutely bonkers metal uh, <laughs> science fiction epic. Uh, yeah. Starring Rob Hartley, who is uh, Angry Anderson with Big Effects. Pants. Uh, yeah. And it, you've never heard of it. Uh, or, yeah, I don't think many people have heard of it. Uh, but it's getting a bit of a cult following doing rapidly and once you've seen it you'll know why yeah yeah it's a uh also an anti anti-nuclear yeah. discussion as well yep. wrapped up with barbarians from the future who look like uh yeah mid, mid-period dennis lily <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice and fresh <laughs> yeah it's fantastic and uh we've already watched it we've already recorded the podcast it's uh it's a really fun one so that'll be up soon so uh we will leave it there for now so thank you mate that was fantastic thank you very much Thank you to Garth for joining me for this discussion. He will be back in the next couple of weeks with his regular segment, Pass the Amel. And we are going to get right back into the Ozploitation genre. And we are talking about the film <laughs> Sons of Steel. You know, maybe you want to check it out. Maybe you want to listen to the podcast first. The film is hilarious uh, and it's a really funny chat with Garth. I am so grateful that we are uh, doing this segment on the podcast because I am coming into contact with just some wonderfully eclectic Australian movies. They're so bizarre and weird and they're ours. They're ours. So, you know, it's good fun. Otherwise, I just, you know, 
wouldn't even think to go and check these out. So I love the Pass the Amel segment and uh, I'm looking forward to discussing Sons of Steel with you. Uh, if you'd like to support our work at Big Squid, you can either join the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Justin Hamilton, and you can find a tier that suits you. There's bonus podcasts, scripts, access to bigger discounts to live events, all sorts of extras, and all the money that goes into the Patreon goes back straight into this podcast to help produce it. Now, I know money is tight for a lot of people, but sometimes uh, you think, oh, I'd still like to lend some support. You can do that for free. You can leave a top review at Apple Podcasts. Just say heaps of nice things about us so other people will give us a go. Or spread the word about the work we're producing here. You, you'll know the right people to talk to. You know you know the people that get it. So uh, carefully introduce them to what we're doing here. Maybe maybe not with the next Pass the Amel episode. Maybe with one of the... Uh, <laughs> audience-friendly episodes, but um, yeah, it's a schizophrenic podcast, but what can I say? I'm, I'm all over the shop and I like heaps of things, so the podcast reflects that. I'll be back next week with a new Chitter Chatter episode on Monday morning, and then comedian Bron Lewis returns to the podcast just in time for her run at the Adelaide Fringe. Let's finish today's podcast with a quote from an author, one of the great authors, and that author is not just an author, but a philosopher. Dr. Seuss. The more that you read, the more things you will know, the more that you learn, the more places you'll go. I don't know if he was a real doctor. Was he a real doctor? He's the only doctor that I'll ever completely trust. I know, I know there's some of you out there going, what about Dr. Who? I was like, yeah, Dr. Seuss. That's that's my guy. (laughs) Anyway, until then. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.